it is, Brian Scalabrini. It's the big baller, baby. Fogasol. Hey, is the game in my This is Hugh Jackson. This is Pete Rose. And you are listening to Down to the Wire, here on Wildcat 91.9 during the sport. Good afternoon and good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome in to another exciting episode of Down to the Wire here on a beautiful Friday, everybody. Happy Friday. I hope everyone is doing as good as we are. Well, maybe not as good as we are. It's uh, April Fool's Week here at the station, if you didn't know. If you haven't been paying attention to our Twitter page, Wildcat919 on Twitter, there's been some shenanigans afoot. Bro, they did me dirty. They did. So we have a room covered in sticky notes uh, with, and shout out to our boy Zant, our great program director. He has Not Funny um, <laughs> written with sticky notes on the TV and then on the chair, also the lone chair, granted, in the studio, didn't laugh. Bro, they got one in my shoe. Come on, man. Uh, even, unf- I wasn't even here. Unfortunate. But they also took our chairs. Yep. So I'm standing. Joe is doing a. I've got the old uh, Fight Club promoter Neil yep, here. Yep, he does. So we'll see how long he can last before he officially stands up like I am. We'll but sw- switch knees a few times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these floors aren't the nicest in the world. Not but anyway, deal. this is down to the wire here on a beautiful uh, Friday. I'm Paxton Gore, and that is Joe the Tiltillery over there. Yes, sir. It is a beautiful day, and it's a beautiful day for the pro day to be going on. If you are a Selective, was it, member of the NFL draft because pro days are afoot. They are out and about. A lot of people are making some headlines and some headways and trying to progress their draft stock. Of course, we had earlier in the week Justin Fields and Mac Jones had their pro day. And, of course, we'll we'll get into the Dan Orlovsky take on um, uh-huh. the Pat McAfee show because that sure did cause quite a little hubbub That's for sure. in the world of sports, but we're first going to start off with some some pro day talk. I have to kneel down here to click the button. Switch it around a little. I know. Ooh. So we have some pro day talk of the draft music getting on here. So let us begin with some draft notes. This is coming from Pro Football Focus, Jamin Davis. All right, from Kentucky. Okay. He's a linebacker. He is quickly rising up the ranks if you're in the need for a linebacker. A lot of linebackers are now pushing their way up into the first round. Of course, we have Micah Parsons. Yikes. With yep. what, what's been going on with him for, for a long time. Of course, we have Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa spent all day trying to get that name pronounced properly. And That's I finally right. did it here in the wee few hours. And then we have, then, of course... Jamin Davis. I think his name also could be pronounced as like Jamin. Okay. Davis. I don't really know. I have to look more tape into him. Do you know what his vertical was as a linebacker? Uh, You know, I'm just I'm flashing back to every one of the highlight tapes from like Bleacher Report where somebody's middle linebacker got on the court, Uh throws down some crazy windmill. (laughs) Miles Garrett. Oh yeah, not not middle linebacker, but big man. Let me get like a. 
You know, I feel like a thirty, a thirty-eight would be thirty-eight would be a decent. It's respectable. Yeah, forty-two. Jeez, guy, forty-two verts from a linebacker. Kid can fly. He's a big man. I haven't seen his um his weight, but say, if you're weight? jumping forty-two inches on a vertical as a linebacker, not even a cornerback or a wide receiver. Wow, you want to know what his broad jump also was? Yeah, now the broad jump, if the you broad. aren't um. Or not, if you don't really watch sort of analytical stuff, think of it like the long jump, but you're standing still. Gotcha. Eleven feet. Jeez. Eleven. Jeez. At a guy. linebacker, this man jumped 42 inches tall, and then a width of 11 feet. Hey. Crazy. For I know Mr. who I Jam want. My, Davis. Uh, my special, my extra points there. God, oh my guy. No, trying to jump over the lineman. He's no contact necessary. Just. Whew. He is crazy. Now, we had a quarterback. Ooh. Had his notes come out. Ian Brooke from Notre Dame. All right. Thought of one of the not top-end quarterbacks in the draft this year, but somebody who is mid-round a development type style for Mr. Brooks. He had his hand size Ooh. measured. So everybody, everybody as a draft fan, get up, get on your feet. Right. It is hand watch. We unfortunately don't have one for any Mac Jones. Or Justin Fields, okay. which was very disappointing. That was like the only one of the only things they didn't measure there at their pro days. But so we get Ian Inbrook. Right. So his hand size, nine inches, seven eighths, nine and seven eighths. So he's got. I think the he's got it. He's, upper he'll, end. Yep. He's oh, got a, the average hand size. What nine and a half? Nine and a half. What we looked at live on the air a couple of weeks yeah. ago. So he's on the upper end. He's got top ten potential if he's a hey, uh, pro Bowl right there. That's, that's hey. I'm telling you. Ten and six. Or I guess now potentially ten and seven. <laughs> ten and seven Su team right there. Super Bowl victory. Hey. He also ran a four six five. So that was in the range Pretty of quick, actually. Yeah, in the range of Mac Jones. Mac Jones <laughs> ran I think a four six eight or four six three in that kind of range. Yep. Again, we got to take into consideration though, pro days. And their 40 times are not laser accurate. That's what true. the NFL Combine has is a laser-designated system that times you as accurately as possible. Uh, what they're doing at Pro Days is basically what you do in the olden days. Mm -hmm. Stopwatch, notepad, click when he crosses a certain line. Tough. And for some schools, it's a hindrance because Penn State, on average has a 3% faster 40 time than the combine. Interesting. So if you're a Penn State player like Micah Parsons and you were blown away by his speed, do take into consideration Hold that 3%. I mean, there's a lot more things to Micah Parsons than just, uh, Very true. than just than just his athleticism. We'll get, probably get into that when we do our pro football focus mock draft today. So here we go on some more. Penn A. Sewell. All right. Probably one of the, the best offensive line prospects in what feels like a millennia. Yep. We, of course, had Quentin Nelson go to uh, the Colts, and he was one of a kind, especially Monsters, as a guard. Man. This guy is an offensive tackle. Whew. Here we go. 6'4 and 7 eight inches. Quite small for a left yep. tackle. Normally, left tackles are 6'6 six, six and above. You think of Mammoth the Men, it's he's true. below 6'5. Yep. 331 pounds, so he's got the weight. He's got some bulk. Hand size 10 and 3 eighths. Ooh. So he's got some got some meaty hands. Here we go. Arm length. Okay. As a tackle, this is the most, as many people would consider, the most important measurement. Right. Because you need to get your hands out and stop the Ooh. oncoming defender from getting his hands on you. 33 and 1 fourth. So really small yeah, that's... for Penny Sewell. And that's kind of what's been the buzz around today on 
if you're a draft Twitter analyst, that's been the whole flubbub is small small height and then also small length of arm. Man, let me say, it's so, it's so wild to think about the concept of that. I mean, obviously the measurables of height, weight, whatever you want to say are very important, but to think about a kid that on tape looks better than everybody else, <laughs> stronger it's than everybody else. Close. Like, the NFL is so wild that they can take a player who is an absolute monster and uh-huh. be like, hey, we don't know about this guy yet, all right? <laughs> Blows my his arm, mind. He, his arm length is way too small. He did have an, he did have a wingspan of 80 inches Ooh. and 7-8ths total, so not too bad. So here we go. On to his three-cone. Okay. Mr. Penny Sewell's three-cone was a, was a 7.80. All right. That is .1 slower than David Bakhtiari. He's a Pro right. Bowl left tackle. You most notably will know him for playing for the Packers. Yep. David Bakhtiari, when he did this, 299 pounds. Jeez. And a Sewell, 330. He's moving. He's moving. He is strong. He is quick. He had 30 reps of the bench press. Jeez. On top of that, you want to know what his... It's going to kill. It's going to blow your mind. His broad jump. All right. Guess what his broad jump was? I mean, after that one kid flew for 11, 11 feet. feet. I mean, this is a 330-pound man. Uh-huh. You got you to take into corporation how long the legs are, mm-hmm. how much of that bend is happening. And how much you got to push forward. That's true. That's a lot of explosion in the, in the in the thigh area. Let me get, like, I don't even know what an average average broad jump is for mine. I'd give it about... Maybe like six feet, I, I, I would assume. I, yeah, something like that. I was going to say, give me, like, a seven. Nine feet, one inch. Jeez, at 330 dude. pounds. Now, this is from um, Kent Pallet. He does a lot of database draft prospects here. Out of the 20,000 players he had in his database, there are only 22 players, and 15 of those linemen, including Penny Sewell, jumped a 9 feet or better broad jump at three at over 330. I mean, that man's quad. So here they are. Andrew Whitworth, 334. Right. He jumps 9 feet 4 inches. Right. And then Jason Peters at 336, 9 feet 7 inches. Big man. 15 in all of the 20,000 draft Jeez. prospects he's ever had jumped 9 feet. Hey, but you see that has to even out with the arms. You know, you can't, I know. You can't look at one or the other. It's Back to square one. <laughs> It's so crazy to me because, again, it, the arm length for a tackle is exactly like hand size for a quarterback. It's true. Below a certain measurement, you might as well just move inside to a guard and write your career off and never again play the sport of football. It's very true. But for this guy, having short arms, being below what would many would consider the average at six feet tall, six feet five, for a left tackle or tackle. This man is just plowing through people. Hey. Thirty reps on the bench. I mean, that's a that's a bowling ball out there, man. You're not oh, you're not stopping him. No, it blows my mind because you're gonna. I mean, I always think about like my my uh, my idea is how would a pass pass rusher fare with Demarcus uh, excuse me Demarcus Ware's spin move? Uh-huh. That's the move I always think about. The most one of the most famous things to swim. Classic things. The classic swim, and then you get that back hesitation a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I always think about how a player would match up. Obviously, right out of the college, you're going to get exposed a lot. Of course. But I've seen that move so many times, and a lot of linemen will know what's coming, and they have no idea how to stop it. I don't worry about this kid in that situation. Watching like Eric Fisher come out, I'm like, all right, well, we're giving up three, three and a half <laughs> second game. I, I really think this kid has all the physical tools. Obviously, is you know, arm length's a little on the short side. So of course. Gotta, we 
We gotta watch it. If you look at it, here he is. He's a gamer. Yeah. You know exactly. Like, he had a great pro day. Yes, mm. the measurements t are tough. But just watching him in his pro day, you could see his explosiveness. Yep. And then watching the film, you're like, oh, this guy does not play with small, with small arms. Right. Because you can see when somebody who thinks they want to play tackle in the NFL have small arms. That mm. swim move where they have, you know, when you think of a swim move, they the defender chops down the arms of the of the tackle and swim over them, yeah. you know? So, and a lot of people would assume, oh my God, you know, mm -hmm. with his arms being so short, they could do that. But this dude has shown time and time again no. that not even the best edge rushers in college uh, football could do that. And, and he's played some good ones. And he has, yeah. He plays in a very tough conference. The Pac-12 well, Pac is not uh, tough with, with Oregon, but... I will, I will say, the one position that I'm always like... I feel has a decently easy transition to the National Football League is outside pass rushers because I feel like they've got the instincts and instincts are the thing you can't really teach but that I mean you see that gear that these guys have and so many of them across the nation have that gear even on t a team like K-State you see a guy like Wyatt Hubert you go up against pass rushers like that every single week obviously you're going to get better ones than others but you've been prepped to see a lot of high speed moves and you have to have your head in the game I think this kid will be A-OK -okay in the NFL I think will be Top 10, in my mind, top 10 for sure. His 40-yard dash has come out. Okay. At 331 pounds, he ran a 509. Ooh, baby. In the 40. He's booking. This man is a flying machine. This is Makai Beckham. Yeah. But 10 times better and not as raw. Like, right. Like, Penny Sue is so refined, it's crazy. And the fact that he's just blowing away every metric... Besides, again, arm length and height, yep. you can you could just be like, all right, I don't care about that. <laughs> I think you know with tackles, obviously you always think about that first step, yep. your, your, your yep. drop step, your kick step, whatever whatever you like to call it. It's called a couple of different things. But some guys that come into the league that are very physically talented don't have their technique. They've got a very short first step. Mm -hmm. yes. As a left tackle, you got to get that left foot back as quick as you've possible. got guys rushing upfield and cutting in on you. Yeah, Von quick. Miller, who is the best at just exploding mm -hmm. off the line, and you've seen it oh, plenty of times, times with as Eric Fisher being your tackle. It's true. He knows when the snap is going to be called. Mm -hmm. Eric Fisher cannot quickly enough in his early years get that first step yeah. back to get in position, so Von Miller can just always throw him around. Yeah, with, it, immediately you're out of position. Like, of like that, if that first step isn't there, everything about that plays off. Oh yeah. The pass rusher can take you upfield, cut back in, and you're already off balance. Mm -hmm. They can, they can swim you, chop your hands, get by you real quick. I mean, there's a lot of different things. This kid has a great first step technique. I know it's crazy, mm -hmm. and just he is Makai Beckham again. And yeah. and Beckham was a physical monster. He's yep. tall, he's big, he's also extremely fast, which was Orlando what was, Brown sized man. I know, but he didn't run the horribleness of Orlando Brown. He ran a sub five <laughs> at his weight. But Penny Sewell is just ten times better. Technique-wise, and whoever gets him, you're getting a guy. You're getting your left tackle for 15 years. Oh yeah, it, there is no question about who you're getting. So that'll do it for pro days. And again, I do believe there might be a combine in Indianapolis I think happening. So. I've heard rumors that there's going to be 150 participants in a combine of sorts to get official measurements. So that's possibly why we didn't get to see. Too yeah. many more me measurements for Justin Fields or Mac Jones. I do have one thing on uh, got it. on uh, Justin Fields. You see he ran a 4-4. Four, 4-4-4 four. Four, four, four yeah. at his height and his weight. <sighs> Robert Griffin III, basically the exact same player 10 years ago, ran a 4-4-3. Four, four, yeah. Crazy. Blows my mind. It is. And, and we're going to get into, today's going to be our 
Justin Fields show update All right. as I planned last week. But first, we're actually going to start off. I know we got an update. i got to bend down here. It's quite interesting how I'm going to be doing a lot of That's these nice things. <laughs> it is. I've thought it out. But we have... A Deshaun Watson update for the DWW. The Deshaun Watson watch is in effect. All right. Maybe not for the right reasons, as has been the case the last couple of weeks. As per the Houston Police Department, a complaint has been filed today regarding Mr. Watson. Now, there has been no accusations in this it's just a it's just a complaint that the Houston Police Department will be investigating okay so this came from Rusty Harden the attorney for or the lawyer excuse me for Deshaun Watson this was just right. he came the statement almost not immediately but a few minutes following this announcement and that announcement was on the Houston Police Department's Twitter page which was <laughs> something <laughs> we said we welcome this long overdue development now we will learn the identity of at least one accuser. We will fully cooperate with the Houston Police Department, that being Rusty Hardin, the lawyer for Deshaun Watson. Man, initial reaction. What a what a weird way to say that. Yes. I understand your, your place That's the on whole it. point, though, True. of what they're arguing here. They have, and this is also just the way that the lawsuit's been filed civilly, because mm-hmm. if it was a full-on accusation and we're suing him, mm-hmm. That's not a civil suit. Everybody would know immediately between both parties who the um, accusers are. Mm -hmm. But since it's a civil suit, we won't know officially until, I believe, a date has been set. Mm -hmm. And then we can start sharing some information here. Interesting. So what they're thinking is that this complaint is from somebody under the, under the, um, I forgot what it is, the the Bleas Boob. Mm -hmm. Oh, I forgot Butch's name. I'm so sorry. That's okay. But the attorney for the women... Mm -hmm. Coming in and filing a report. Gotcha. And so, so possibly we might start because in that kind of investigation, I believe evidence will be shared, yeah. and and we'll start to understand who is what. Well, they will, not us. We'll probably just know it's a Jane Doe, but we will. They will start to know who it is. Sorry, we're trying to figure out this. I know Joe's trying to figure it out. I'm just standing at the moment. <laughs> Still no. sound okay? Yeah, no, you're good. If you uh, if cool. you're just tuning in. Where chairs have been taken away, so... Man, they took all the budget away from us. I'm on the backup headphones, no chair. (laughs) (laughs) They took everything away. But yeah, so there is your Deshaun Watson update, and the cases now, excuse me, have been up to 20. Really? But a counter, um, not lawsuit, but information dump from Rusty Harden. Interesting. He has gathered 18 (laughs) massagers from the Houston area who can vouch for Deshaun Watson. All right. Now... There's a few takeaways I have here. Um, one, my lord, how many massage therapists do you need? I didn't know there were that many in the Houston area. No, I, that's I, a I, lot of mas- masseuses. That's a lot. You have the 20 and possibly up to 25 accusing him of sexual misconduct. Yeah. And now you have 18 that are coming to his defense. It, it makes me wonder almost. I mean, obviously we don't know about the individual people that, call, that filed their complaints. Of course, of course. But I will say... Does it make you think that the other, the, you know, the people that have come out against Deshaun Watson are masseuses, or do you think it's just unrelated that it's a masseuse? I have no clue. Because here's the thing, and you can go, I believe I retweeted it on my Twitter page, that is at Paxton Sports. Right. In this, in this two-page document, the one of the ladies, she actually had her name out there. They mm. actually written, wrote her name down defending Jeez. Deshaun Watson. 
So her name's out there as an actual defendant. They kind of doxed her a little bit. Now, I don't know if it was doxing, but I think she had permission. Okay. But but still, like, she's out there. Gotcha. What she was saying was a lot of what he was asking for mm. were a, a different type of towel. So there's there's two different ways how massage therapists gotcha. work. You can have, like, a cloth towel or an actual towel itself. Right. And he asked for a towel. Okay. And that's like a common practice. It's not like it's not out of the ordinary right. for somebody to ask for a towel. I really I've never been to you know yeah, what I'm not like a cloth. Big... Yeah. You would see in them like a TV show, like mm-hmm. a cloth piece, they have a towel. He also asked if she was comfortable working with the groin area. Okay. Um and she said she is fine with that because she's dealt with a lot of athletes before yeah. and that's a common ask. And- let me say, like, I understand how that could that could potentially be miscued, but mm-hmm. obviously as an athlete, you know how, how messed up the groin area gets. The amount of times you see an athlete pull their groin or do something along those, like, I remember watching J.J. Watt a few years back on a fluke play where he just pulled the groin out a little bit, and it was really messed up. I, I think he had to go to special, special training and treatment for a while. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think him, you know, asking to make sure that's okay, like, you can't ever vouch for someone in this case, but it says a lot about your character. And it shows your morals a little bit to that side to be more ethical with it. I think the next few months are going to be wild to see in this situation. <laughs> it, it, it just blows my mind. I wonder, like, so uh, it's uh, Harden is the name of the of Deshaun, Deshaun Watson's attorney. I wonder why. It, it's weird to me that there are 18 masseuses that have vouched for Deshaun Watson versus just, like, 18 people that he, like, why specific? I guess he works with them individually. It blows my mind that there's just 18. Why 18? <laughs> like, get, get one you like, stay with it. I mean, maybe it's a... I, even then, it's like if you have a different masseuse every week, that's 18 weeks. That's still months down the road. I know. And that's probably where a lot of the questions come is, why do you need so many? Why not stick to either a team yeah. um, a team assigned uh, masseuse? Yeah. Why do you need so many? So maybe there's starting to be a pattern of where you could mm-hmm. see him becoming guilty because I, of the veloc or the yeah. amount. And I do think also like, you know, masseuses are in the service industry. Like, mm-hmm. they're meant to help better you. Like, the same way, like, a barber would be a little bit. Very different areas. But, like, you see guys that find their barber and they stick with them. Mm-hmm. Completely yep. different area. But if you like the cut you get, generally you stick with that barber. You know, if you like the massage you get, you usually stick with that person. It's just weird that there's been 18 of them. To I know. On top of the 25. Yeah, wild concept. <laughs> like, and it could be a combination of maybe he found someone at his college town, maybe he found someone in high school. You know, different areas, different people that he's flying in or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it's again, a weird. That's so many people. <laughs> it blows my mind. Again, we really don't know from the side of um, the women who are being um, vouched for by their attorney because it since it's a civil suit, we won't know for a long time when or when they were experiencing. I know in the minute details we've gotten from him, the most recent one was in December of 2020. Do we know? Um, Who's representing the girls that he's, that are yes, vouching for Deshaun Watson? Uh, is it the same guy? No. So the the, the, the attorney different. that's vouching for the women is the guy that lives on the same street as yes. the owner of the Texans. But for for like the girls that are standing up for Deshaun Watson, they I don't know if they're are they rep- represented by no, the no, same guy. They're not. Rep- I don't know if they're, they're not represented. He has some. Or does he just have like some type of? There. These are people. These are women that are vouching. Okay. For Deshaun Watson. So they don't. Innocent. They don't need lawyer representation. Yeah. No. So they're not really a interesting part of like a counter sue at the moment. It, they're just there as um, reformation that he is not. What he's been doing is not illegal, right. or he's he's doing sexual misconduct. Yeah, and I think the thing to be like, 
even removing the football aspect, this is such a wild situation for any one person. Like, <laughs> the amount of stuff that goes into this, maybe just like a look behind the curtain of like what it means to have an investigation, but there's so many different sides to this. It's so wild to see. It's crazy. So we'll keep you up to date as much as we can with this. Information is just dropping, not every hour, but it kind of just drops out of the blue. So whenever something happens, I will retweet it and I'll comment on it. And if not, if we don't comment on it, we'll probably get it on the show either Tuesday or Friday. So you can follow me at Paxton Sports. That is the official show Twitter. If you miss an episode of Down to the Wire, head over to my Twitter page. I have linked our Spotify. That is right. right. We now have a podcast section in our Spotify. So you can listen on to every single cast that we have done. Either that's me solo on Tuesday or us together on Friday. So this is Down to the Wire. I'm Paxton. That is Joe. Let's get into some more draft talk. Let's get into it. Let's talk Justin Fields. Before we get going, I want to bring up a quote. This was from Stephen A. Smith on First Take this morning. They were talking with the draft experts themselves, Todd McShay, uh, about what in the world is happening with Justin Fields' draft stock. When is everyone going to make up their mind about Justin Fields and give us and give us the goods? We started off months ago, he's the, the, the prohibitive number two. Then after that, we said number three. Then well, after hey, that, we said five. And then somebody came up with number two or three. And then now we got Mac Jones, who was at the beginning perceived as being a mid to late round pick. Then he was, oh, he could fall in the top ten. Then he's in the top five. Now you got him in the top three. And then somebody, and then others are saying, no, he might go number ten or fifteen. We hope that Bill Belichick <laughs> moves up a couple spots to get him at some point in time when it comes to Justin Fields isn't it about what he is or isn't and no one seems to be able to make up their mind about who he is here's here's the narrative that you'll get from everyone in the league or, or most people in the league he and I, I would agree with almost all of it he is probably the most physically gifted quarterback in this class when you look at his height his weight his speed, he ran the four fours in his pro day yesterday. His arm strength and his accuracy. He is a very accurate quarterback. The issue is when you go and study the tape on him, Northwestern threw a lot of things at him in terms of zone coverage and different looks, and he struggled. Indiana did the same, and he struggled. He struggled in the last game of the season as well. And then most importantly, there was a team that did a, that did a research project, if you will, uh, studying all of his reads and what he went through this past year. Over 200 of his throws were to his primary receiver. Now, that's a good scheme and having really good weapons. So he's taken advantage of it. It's not necessarily a negative, but you don't see him progress that often from the first read to the second read to the third read. In fact, the, based off this team's research, it was only seven times that he threw the ball compared to over 200 times to a second read. Um, so that last quote I want to I start off with here. He is a one-read guy. Now, that was, again, from an unnamed research group, All right. as he described it. Well, I have pro football focus here, and they graded on throws past first read since 2019 with a minimum of 60 attempts. This is this year's draft class. You want to know who was ranked number one in that grade? Who was that? Oh, it was Justin Fields. Wild. And he, you know who was seventh? Who's that? Trevor Lawrence. And this was, now this is a grade. This is not right. an accurate breakdown <laughs> of like what's his percentage. This is just an overall grade. Right. So first is Justin Fields. Second is Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. 
And do you do you believe? Excuse me, I didn't mean to cut you off here. Do you good. believe that he is, as everyone keeps saying, a one read guy, or is it really just the system? Not at all. I think the thing to focus on there is, you know, to break down what that last quote was is, that it was it was very like the first half of that, where we are promoting Justin Fields. We're saying, hey, this guy, athletic, he's got all the tools, but he struggled when teams threw coverages at, him. and then. So we talked about how Justin individually struggled with the different coverages. Like he was the only guy there that was responsible for, okay, they're sending me a three, three high safety look. We haven't seen this yet. But it's all my fault because of that. But when they say, well, it's because of the system. That's why he only look. Why are we only giving it half the story? Uh-huh. Why are we saying, hey, the, the reason that the, first, the primary receiver is the only guy we look at, hey, if he's open, hit the guy. And my thought process is, all right, great scheme here. Defensively, or, or offensively, excuse me, and they aren't preparing Justin Fields for this? Like, like, why are we comparing the scheme for one half of saying, hey, this is why, or this is a good reason why he's a one-trick pony type guy, or we're saying, it's all Justin. Just, why can't we take both aspects of, hey, we didn't scheme well at our practice. We didn't give him looks with uh, two high safeties with you know, Tampa 2 coverage with a deep-dropping linebacker. We didn't give him the looks necessary. So it's kind of on us to say, hey, we didn't coach him the way we should have, or we didn't have the guys necessary for this. So I think, like, I, I can't dispute why you know he's such a first, of course. you know, first read guy. But but I think we should take into consideration both sides of that aspect. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. About and of course, with the media, you really can't choose one side. Or then where's the fun? Where's the fun in being it's an true. analyst? But it really is just that this system that is run by Ohio State is deep. Uh, excuse me, deep passing options. Yeah. There's always you see a lot of the critics of Justin Fields saying, well, he hangs on to the ball too much and he waits for his receiver to get open. Well, duh, that's how Ohio State's offense works. True. Since they're going so deep with their passing attempts, you have to wait. You have to wait for the receiver to get ahead of a certain level of the defense. If they're doing crossing patterns to block a cornerback, you have to wait for that wide receiver to get free of that cross. Yeah. So it makes sense that, well, yeah, the correlation to why he holds onto the ball too much or a first he looks at his read, only his first read so much, is because that's how the system is played, and if it ain't broke, yeah. why not why not fix it? And I understand maybe that's like, well, if it ain't broke, well, that's how you're right. learning. But he's shown in his attempts he can make the second read. Yeah, I agree with you. I think people, are for whatever reason, are very much disrespecting Justin Fields. I'm a big Justin Fields guy. <laughs> Watched him win some big games, play well. And when he did struggle, because people said the same thing about Joe Burrow. We said, hey, with this guy, when he saw it in the second half, of that first half of that national championship game, we threw some looks at him. He wasn't ready for it. Hey, who knows if he's NFL ready? Sure, but isn't that why you hire a coaching staff, a, a quarterback coach, to develop a quarterback? <laughs> I, I, we throw Patrick, say we throw Patrick Mahomes in that first year. We draft him. Not obviously week seven, si- 17, of course. but week three. Alex Smith's playing, eh, we throw him in. Rookie kid who's never seen these type of coverages, we're going to say, hey, he's not NFL ready. That's why we develop a quarterback. You know, are, are you if you're going to draft Justin Fields, are you saying, all right, kid, we like what we see right now, go win us games? Because <laughs> I think it'll win you some, but I feel like without the proper time and development, every quarterback's going to look shaky. Trevor Lawrence at times is going to look very shaky out of place too. I mean, see what happened with Sam Darnold. <laughs> look at Sam Darnold. Look at that coaching staff. <laughs> we don't look at the Jets very often, but – they ruined him. He's a ruined, ruined man. <laughs> ruined him. And he's all he's hoping for now is a second chance. But what if we just gave him a proper first chance the first time around? Throw him on the Chiefs. Do so, you yeah. think behind Patrick, not Patrick Holmes, 
Alex Smith, mm-hmm. he wouldn't be as right. you get over-aggressive. A, yeah, you get a guy, that's exactly what happened with Patrick, Patrick Mahomes, because you see the over-aggression immediately out of college. Say, hey, this guy just threw for nine touchdowns this game, but he also threw the, turned over the ball twice. What if we just take back some of those errant throws and say, hey, hit your check down here, save one of those picks, you don't have to throw nine touchdowns a game. Mm-hmm. Like, Sam Darnold had the same knock that Patrick Mahomes did coming out of college. Well, he's not his feet, his footwork isn't ready, and he's too risky with the football. That can be trained. <laughs> like yes. that, there's so, that's a massive thing that a quarterback coach helps you with. That your head coach, offensive coordinator, that everyone says, "Hey, we're going to work with this guy. We're going to put him behind an established veteran quarterback who knows how to win, knows his, knows how to handle himself." Like you see, Patrick Mahomes succeed in a lot of the ways he does. A lot of that he learned from Alex Smith. Blows my mind. Like, like, I don't know why we're so quick to say, well, this kid's not ready. Sure, they're not ready. They're 20 they're years old. Yes, they, Come some on. of them have barely even crossed the yeah. like, 18 to 19 year old range. Yeah. And you're saying, oh, well, hey, he's not ready. He's not ready yet. And you're like, of course he's not ready because he's only been in the system one year, but you can buy into the potential and mold him. Yeah, I mean, the other thing is, like, say the 49ers draft uh, a Justin Fields, just because. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I think is going to happen there, but say they draft Justin Fields. <laughs> Are you ready for him to step in and take all of Kyle Shanahan's massive playbook and say, hey, this is your offense, man, run with it? And the hardest playbook. Right out of college? The West Coast scheme is one of the hardest offenses to run. Long play names, massive playbook. Like, that's so tough to get all that information down. You give him rookie minicamp, if we have that. (laughs) Off-season workouts, if we have that. And you can't meet with your coaches till like a month before the season. Like, there's a bunch of stuff. That's There's a bunch of barriers for these kids to go through that teams are just like, well, like, you don't need him to win games for you right now. No. And I, and I don't know why so many teams are in that kind of win-now yeah. approach. Like, I understand maybe the Jaguars, because Trevor Lawrence, in many people's eyes, is the second coming of, mm. you know, the Holy Savior himself yeah. for Duvall. True. So it makes kind of sense why you want to stockpile now and hope to God that he is. can finally, you know, take this team over the hump. But when you're in a West Coast system with... A lot of reads that you need to go through. Break down a lot of just the terminology. And you have no rookie camp, no OTAs, no mini camp, and then you won't meet with somebody before basically the season starts. You know you need to just take a step back and let him grow. And maybe that's why they're keeping Jimmy Garoppolo. And they keep saying he's part Mm. of it, even though I, I buy none of the words they say. But maybe that's why they keep alluding to it is, hey, he can sit behind and he can grow. But maybe also, that's why they're taking possibly Mac Jones, which everyone's been stating, because of how he already has a high floor, and he can break this stuff down so much quicker, but we know the potential is not as high as somebody like Trey Lance or Justin Fields. Yeah, it just blows my mind to think about. In the grand scheme of things, I mean, you're going to let a, in my opinion, I think Justin Fields is the second best quarterback in this draft. I'm a big Justin Fields guy. I know. Zach Wilson's been shooting up the boards. I don't disagree that he's going to be a playmaker, but I One think he's going to need though. some time. Yeah. One-year tape. One-year tape. I saw that with Mitch Trubisky, and I know where that happened. <laughs> like, like, give me a little bit more tape. Let me play in some bigger games. Not that BYU didn't play in big games, but... Coastal Carolina? Then they lose to Coastal Carolina? And he didn't look great in the Coastal <laughs> Carolina game. Like, You should blow out Coastal Carolina. On, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it blows my mind that people are so hungry to win now. And I get that the 49ers, seemingly, Jimmy Garoppolo's on the quarterback, you beat the Chiefs. Seemingly. <laughs> um, hey, we don't know. But, like, it's not going to all fix it immediately. We saw Lamar Jackson when he came in seven or eight games in for the Ravens when Joe Flacco was still there. Uh-huh. And he looked a little scared, looked a little underdeveloped. Give him a full year. And, and then that next year he goes MVP. You give him time to develop, see NFL. Like, 
Patrick Mahomes said even in his MVP season, he couldn't read an NFL defense. Crazy. That's a wild thought. And, and you're expecting some kid out of Ohio State who's never seen a, oh, hey, my first read's locked up, my second read's locked up, my third read's locked up, let me hit my check down. Mm-hmm. Like, that doesn't happen at Ohio State. You don't get four, you know, three, four quarterbacks and a good linebacker that are going to lock you up unless you're Ohio State. That's the <laughs> t- like, And maybe that's why people are so scared is because have we ever seen an Ohio State quarterback come out hmm. and be successful? We saw the, the one-year goodness of Cardale Jones. Cardale Jones. Braxton Miller. Dwayne Haskins. Yep. None of those. What was uh, JT Barrett that he got JT a shot? JT Barrett got a shot as well. Where did he even get drafted to? He got drafted, I think, to the Bills? Uh, that makes sense. Somebody. But, yes, have we ever seen an Ohio State quarterback ever produce in the NFL? I, that's a great question. Hold it, on a minute. It, it's really tough. And maybe that's why everyone's so scared is we've never seen it before. But here's what we have seen, though. Justin Fields, high IQ. He's a leader. He works hard. He took a very dirty, cheap shot again in the Clemson game in the first quarter. He went out for one play and came immediately back. And you know what they did? They beat the living crap out of Clemson. Yep. And this is what gets me heated. Dan Orlovsky went on the Pat McAfee show. I don't have the clip here. But talked about how Justin Fields was the last guy in, first guy out. I wish I would have seen that clip. I know. Or his desire. What was his desire? He might not have a passion to play football. And then somebody in the comments posted that Clemson game. Yeah. And you're going to sit there and tell me this man is not a one a leader or somebody who goes out and in, and in struggling situations plays the game as hard as he can. You know, I have a lot of opinions on Dan Orlovsky <laughs> as an analyst. Um, but I'll say this. Like, didn't we see this exact same thing in theory with Justin Herbert? We said, hey, he can't be a leader. He's quiet. He doesn't care about yes. – are you kidding me? Did you, you see his rookie year? Are you kidding? Did you watch that guy run over our starting middle linebacker? Like, this kid can play. Week one, you're thrown into an unfamiliar territory against the defending Super Bowl champions, and you almost win? Crazy. And you're going to say, well, we don't know if he's a leader. Everyone in that locker room knew he was a leader. And it's just the media outside saying, granted, we're a part of the media, so it's kind of tough. Of course, yeah. (laughs) But everyone's saying, well, uh, we just don't know if he can lead. We just don't know if he's ready. Sure, he's not ready. But I'll tell you this, you let him throw to his receivers for more than a week, and the kid's like, he's got a good... Feel for it, because you don't get to throw with your receivers at all over the offseason, unless you have your own, Yeah, and then the NFL steps in and gets angry and stuff. <laughs> uh, you have to break into your offensive coordinator's house to meet with your offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Quarterback coach, I guess, in that case. But it blows my mind to see that. Like, Justin Fields is going to have, and knock on woods, could age poorly. <laughs> I feel like, it, you know, give him eight to ten weeks to develop under an established quarterback. Mm-hmm. If you're the 49ers and you want to get rid of Jimmy right now, you still got Nate... Uh, Forget his last name, but the quarterback kid that stepped in whenever Jimmy's been hurt, NFL veteran. Go- oh, Nick Mullins. Yeah, Nick Mullins, not Nate. My bad. Nick Mullins. He'll win you some games. He'll play okay. You've got a uh, the other quarterback there that I'm thinking of. Yeah, CJ Beathard. Like you've got some guys that have had experience and success to an extent in the NFL. Bring him in, man. Let him learn. Unbelievable. Teach the kid. It, I know it's really just that simple. You, sometimes you just don't need to rush it. Like Trey Lance, you definitely aren't rushing it. You are a hell of a not, not, not rushing it. Yep. And, yes, Justin Fields, you, I don't want to rush him because a lot of people keep saying all these negative things about it. But I've watched the tape. I've seen the games. I've watched the breakdown from the quarterback school on YouTube. Go, go subscribe to him. Does a hey, great, great job channel. of breaking down the film. I've seen it. I understand the gripes, but those gripes are so easily 
ironed out. Yeah. And you are going to be stuck on that, and you're going to go with somebody like Mac Jones. I mean, granted, Mac Jones may be perfect for that right. scheme, but uh, higher floor, lower ceiling. And it, it blows my mind because you sit there and think about it like, I really, truly believe Justin Fields has a massive upside. I think everyone knows. Oh, I didn't expect yeah. him to run a 4-4. Heck no. Like, I was saying, all right, this kid might run a 4-6, and that's pretty good. He comes out and runs a 4-4, and I'm like, all right, this kid is a Jalen Hurts type guy that I'm like, I like this kid a lot. He's going to step in, win games when he gets a shot. But that being said, like, what is the harm in sitting in there for eight games? Oh, well, we're not going to win now. Oh, okay. A lot of the teams, that, if What's you're drafting top that? five, you're not, gonna, you're not winning now. Like, my thing is, is like, you look at teams like Carolina. Mm-hmm. Yep, there's been a lot of rumors Carolina's going to take. I think Justin Fields would be a dang good fit there. Of course, Joe Brady, who Joe led, Brady led Joe Burrow. Yeah, you get a guy immediately. Ohio State, uh, some ties there with a couple of different teammates, but you get Teddy Bridgewater, veteran guy, potentially a leader. You never know once until the kid's there. But I'm sure he's not going to be like, nah, you do you, I'll do me. Yeah. Not Joe Flacco you, you to know. Denver. You're going to help a little bit, try to teach where you can. And a year from now, when Teddy's sitting there, six wins, eight wins, that's fine. Like, that's a good season. Then you get Justin Fields. Like, like yep. you get a developed Justin Fields who can read an NFL defense. That's a massive step above. Well, we took Mac Jones. We won six games. You know, maybe next year will look different. Like, come on. <laughs> you're not trying to find your problem, right? your answer right now. You know that you've got more problems than just one. Mm-hmm. Of course. And that's why... You're drafting in the top five in the first place. Yeah. There's a lot more problem. And again, granted, the Niners had the most injured roster. True. And Jimmy Garoppolo did not play a majority of the year. But on top of that, you still got there for a reason. Yeah. So, and it's not like you, you only had, what, one successful season with Jimmy G? It's so a good season, too. Yeah, it looked good. It did, but sometimes you just got to yeah. give up, you know, the Patriot way, give up before they're bad. It's true. So anyway, this is Down to the Wire here on Wildcat 91.9. So we are now going to head off to our favorite time of the week. I find the music. All right. All right, it is Pro Football Focus Draft. Here on a Friday, you get to hear the music two times today, everybody. It's a steal. Two times. I know it's a steal. You're in for a treat today. So we're going to do something that will begrudge a lot of you fans in the Kansas region. We're doing the Broncos. All right. I know a lot of people will say, oh, we're only doing this team because you, Paxton, are a huge fan of the Broncos and nobody cares about the Broncos organization. I will. I agree. (laughs) But I just got so upset today at Todd McShay that I needed to correct him. All right. He stated, and I have a clip that I we were going to run out of time here, but I just want to get noted out there, that Justin Fields in his mock draft that came out today, his 3.0, made it all the way down to 11, and Denver drafted Patrick Sertan. Okay? I'm okay with that. Patrick Big Sertan's fan, great. It's not the need, Justin man. Fields, though? And, and Denver signed Kyle Fuller, one of the best cornerbacks great sign in the NFL on a one-year deal Ronald Darby really good outside yeah. Bryce Callahan the best inside slot cornerback and you're still telling me we need a true number one <laughs> uh, uh, did you not just see what we did and we have a now it an extremely deep cornerback room and we're gonna pass Justin Fields we played a wide receiver at quarterback and we're gonna pass a quarterback. oh my god yes that act that thought 
fluent to my mind. We played a former quarterback that now plays wide receiver we we against the Saints. We couldn't sign Johnny Menzel to a 10-day contract. You couldn't give me anyone. I know. Not, not neither, neither here nor there. Yeah, but. But, but still, so you skip quarterback, let alone also a linebacker. That's what we also need. Unbelievable. So we're going to do Denver today All right. because I'm just very upset and I need like, Understandable. I need this pro football focus mock draft to give me what I want. And that is um, Denver Broncos getting a good pick here. So anyway, let us begin with the number one overall pick, of course, being Trevor Lawrence. Oh, it's Zach Wilson today. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So next up. I don't is, think we're getting there. I don't think so. Uh, Justin Fields went number two. Number three is Trevor Lawrence. I should have paused there at number three so we could have possibly found a trade-up. Wild situation. Do we trade up here? First three quarterbacks gone. Trey Lance is on the board. Mac Jones is on the board. Yeah. But basically everybody else. Penny Sewell. What are we sit what are we sitting at? Pick We're at nine. So here's the kind of the opportunities that we've been hearing. The Falcons might trade out. All right. But they also might take Trey Lance. True. Or Justin Fields if he's available. I don't know who's the preferential quarterback. Mm. I think it's Trey Lance. Just because he sits behind Matt Ryan. Yep. The Bengals possibly moving. But the Dolphins have been a key factor because they've been stocking up first rounders. Right. And you're only moving from six to nine. And I would assume at this point with three quarterbacks already taken, they're going to have a plethora of talent at and nine. You're going to want to get ahead of uh, Carolina. Of course. If possible. Yeah, if we need if, if, if we select a quarterback, we of course want to give up and go past Carolina because there's talks that they need a quarterback. But there's also Deshaun Watson. True. Do we want to give up the nine pick to move either to five or six, or do you want to go a couple more picks before we trade? Uh, I know it's a tough choice. I'm really not making it easy today. Are the Falcons on the clock right now? Yeah, Yes, they are, but I paused it so we can make a trade if you want. I, I mean, if I'm the Falcons and you, you've seen the top three guys already go, I don't know that I draft Trey Lance here. I mean, I really? think a lot of people will. You don't think will. so? I would. I think a lot of people will. <laughs> it's so tough. I don't know. It's gonna be, I know. I think we could – would you settle for Mac Jones? Or, or Hell Trey, no. Hey, would, Trey Lance, yes. Trey Lance, yes, not Mac because Jones. Because I maybe still want to believe one more year of, of Drew Locke. Gotcha. But if Mac Jones is the last quarterback, I'm already done. Yeah. I'm already thinking possible trade back mm -hmm. if – I don't find anybody I like. Wait till next at year. At number nine. Yes, and, and possibly or, or, or Deshaun, Deshaun Watson. Watson. Get more draft capital if Deshaun yeah. Watson's vetted to go for him. Yep. So, they, I know, this is really tough. I think, because well, I, I feel like... What Trey, do you value more? What do you value? Because Trey Lance going to take a long time. Yeah. I, I don't think you're... I don't think the Broncos with Mac Jones are going to be a win-now nope. team. I, I would rather have Trey Lance. Yeah, I mean... I think if, if Trey Lance is the guy to go to, you got to trade. Do you want to risk going past the Falcons? Do I, you want to do it? I, I think we try to go to where the Falcons pick. Oh, you want to trade oh, up we, then? I think we have All to. right. So here we go. Trading number four will, of course, be the ninth overall pick. All right. We're going to have to do a second this year. You believe a second or do you want to go third? I, I think it's got to be a second. Second. Do you also want to include a round one next year? I don't think they'll take it if we don't. Okay. Let's just offer the first two draft selections. Yep. It was accepted. Okay, cool. <laughs> okay, cool. So, we are now on the clock. All right. At number number four. So, here we go. Penny Sewell is available. Right. Kyle Pitts. Jamar Chase. Micah Parsons. Jalen Waddell. Right. Devontae Smith. Trey Lance. Mac Jones. Patrick Sertan. So, we're here at four now. I, you wanted to trade up. I think... 
it depends how confident you are about Deshaun Watson in the organization. I know. Mm-hmm. And granted, things don't look great right now for Deshaun Watson, so I don't know where we're at. I think it's we got to take. I think it's got to be Trey Lance. If you trade up to number you've four, get a guy. you have to because you're not trading not, up for Penna Sewell. Like as, as talented as he is, you're not. No, dude. I, yeah, but the thing is, is like the Broncos have seen had one main problem area <laughs> since Peyton Manning retired. <laughs> and you know how many Broncos fans like like. I know you'd be okay with it. But you know how many Broncos fans would be sitting there like, wow, we took a lineman in the fourth spot instead of taking a quarterback here? I know. Very, you know, far away viewpoint. But, I mean, like, that's, that's a real thing for We Denver. would raise hell in Denver if that happened. I think. Especially if Justin Fields is available. I would raise hell if Justin Fields is available and we didn't take him. Yeah. But I think you got to take. Trey Lance? I think you got to take Trey Lance. I, w- I, w- I don't, I don't agree. really want Mac Jones, I'm going to be honest. No. I don't, I've seen a ceiling that's. I've seen a Kirk Cousins level ceiling. <laughs> and I'm okay to you stay like, away from you that. like that? Do you, my friend, like that? As per Kirk Cousins. Uh, depends. I don't think I would. Depends I, on the, uh, if we make the playoffs or not. Here's the deal. Would Mac Jones actually be a good fit in Denver? Yes. He has such a high floor that this team, with as much talent as it has, offensively, defensively, somebody who is off to a better start yep. or has a higher floor it would do good in the short term. Yes. But... With the likes of Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, such a young offense, mm-hmm. do you focus on win now with a, a high floor, low ceiling, or do you go somebody right. with, you know, to the moon levels of potential? And I, I think the other thing is you got to look around the division too. <laughs> yeah, you look at the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. best quarterback in the NFL, of course, hands down. You look at Justin uh, Justin Herbert, excuse me, up and coming. The Chargers up and coming. He looks very good at times. If they can get the right guy as their coach, Mac Jones is Derek Carr. Mac Jones is Derek Carr. Do you and want Derek Carr on your team? I, I don't. I, I want a guy that can that can win games against Patrick Mahomes and not have to play a perfect game to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think you got to go Trey Lance. Now, I know it's pretty easy to say Trey Lance, mm-hmm. but let's actually discuss some other options here. Denver needs a tackle, as yep. reported by Pro Football Focus. We have um, somebody, I forgot, Juwan James at right mm-hmm. tackle. He opted out last year. Should be coming back. Should be, but he's not the best. Right. And Asul, again, is available there could be a left and right tackle for the rest of your life with Penny Sewell. I know it's tough. Now, let's yeah. go to linebacker. Right. This is where it gets interesting. Denver needs, a, it's a not a hole, but besides Alexander Johnson, it's kind of just a, eh, it's just a man. Yeah. So, Micah Parsons is on the board. Right. And then Jeremiah owusu Koromoa. Uh, yep, there you he's go. He's a hybrid linebacker safety. I, I think if I'm going linebacker, I'm going Parsons, personally. With with the character concerns of being a the quote-unquote ringleader for mm. um, a sexual harassment bullying yeah, at been Penn a State. a whole lot going on. It, it is. And especially coming out of Penn State, you don't know. I know it's tough. Do you? But I, I know, it that. is. So I, uh, He's really good on the field. But, but is the risk mm. of personality really overshadowing it? And you're going to need some veteran guys on that defense that have, say, hey, kid, you're not an all-star. This is what you have to learn. Mm-hmm. You have to understand how to be a pro. Denver has that. Denver has One of the that. most experienced defenses on sure. the. Um, Who, who's the D, co- D coordinator right now? Vic Fangio. Vic Fa- Fangio. Culture guy. So, you know, yeah, culture guy. <laughs> hey, think of a better man. If to anyone be. could get you out of that, or, or, or seemingly fix you, fix you. The Chiefs tried to do it with Marcus Peters. Eventually, it didn't work, but it worked <laughs> for a while. I like what we had. If you get the right guy, I think Vic Fangio would be the right guy. Mm-hmm. I think I'd still go Parsons here. Okay. As tough as it is to – it's a lot of stuff. That it's is. a lot of stuff. I know lot he of stuff. says he, he, he's grown past that, but 
but that's a big weight. Yeah. It's a really big weight. It's easier to take a guy like Tyreek Hill in the fifth round oh. when he's got some off-the-field stuff then than it is my fourth overall ten. pick. Yeah, oh, actually, fourth overall pick now. Yeah. And then maybe like Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, uh, linebacker hype, or safety hybrid linebacker mix, runs all over the field. Mm-hmm. In this type of system where you where or Vic Fangio wants sideline to sideline linebackers, yeah, perfect fit. Great at fit. number four though, that's where I'm like maybe at nine to thirteen. Mm-hmm. Of course, four. No, I agree. I, I think it's just a little bit too high. Yes, unless good player, but I think I, I've seen. I've got a safety in, in Justin Simmons who's a a monster. Yep. Gonna be sideline to sideline. I don't need immediately sideline to sideline. If I can find a guy in the third or the fourth round that can fly, of course, it's fine. Of course, totally. I mean, like Jabril, uh, that guy that we saw earlier yep. today, mm-hmm. who jumped that 41. Yeah. He's slated towards the early part of the second round. Denver has an you early could, second round pick. And you can reach and take him right there. Of course, there. yeah. You, you surprise them and say, hey, this is our kid. We're taking him now. Mm-hmm. He's a good fit. And again, no question. It's just tough to make arguments at number four mm-hmm. when the first three quarterbacks are taken, and we know why you traded up here. Yes. You traded up here to get a quarterback. Thousand percent. And it's Trey Lance. If Now, actually, here's the question. Justin Fields or Trey Lance, if they were available at four, if they're available, I'm going Justin Fields. Yep, I'm too. I, he's too talented to leave leave there, and I think he's the right guy. I think he is, especially in. I mean, Pat Pat Shermer's offense is three wide, mm-hmm. you know, under center too. But he, Justin Fields should just play anyway. any style you need. And I know the statistics like Mac Jones had more RPO, and then Justin Fields can't blah blah. And blah. I, I don't buy into all that no. as much. I, I think you know what you get when you're guys when you draft them. I, I unfortunately since Fields is is gone here, I, I still go uh, Trey Lance. But so, I could see I could see Parsons. I could see. Penasul here, but when you're at four and you trade it up from nine, you got to get thousand percent a quarterback. Uh, So anyway, this is down to the wire. Here I got to bend down to get to my ending stuff. So this is down to the wire here on Wildcat 91.9. Let's do some real quick birthdays here in the last couple of minutes. That's the wrong song. Whoopsie daisies. I am not doing. Here we go. So in the last 45 seconds, here are your birthdays for the baseball, uh, the basketball world. Pascal Siakam, happy birthday to you in the football world. It is Jaron McMillan, and then Tahir Whitehead. There you go. Thank you very much. That would be... Celebrity birthday! <laughs> Celebrity birthday! Hey, so we're in the last 30 seconds here of Down to Wire. I thank you for tuning in. Tune in on Monday. Well, I have both songs playing. Tune in on right. Monday for Colin Settle. He'll be breaking down all the latest news and notes from the NFL as well. Congratulate him on his, um, his documentary he did on Big Wednesday. Ups. It was very good. We might have an encore of that, so keep an eye on that. But anyway, this is Down to the Wire. We'll see you on Tuesday.